Well, good morning, everybody. Um, before I invite you to take your Bibles this morning with me, let me just take a moment to once again mention just a few kind of church family things. You will notice in your bulletins, uh, or perhaps you saw it in this past Friday's uh, email update, that we have scheduled a Friday forum on racial reconciliation and the gospel. Um, as you know, this is an important topic for us to be thinking about together, and I want to do my very best to lead us in thinking well and thinking biblically about this. So we have scheduled this Friday Forum for September uh, 18th. Now, I recognize that seems like that's out there a little bit, but we want to do this well, and we want to do this in a way that's going to serve our church family as fully as possible. Um, so between my schedule and between the church calendar and between vacation schedules that occupy August frequently, it seems best for us to aim uh, at September. So September 18th, uh, please put that in your calendars. Please have that in your minds, and we will anticipate that together. And then secondly, I, I wanted to once again just communicate our gratitude and our commendation to some people. I mentioned a couple guys on the pastoral team last week, um, Pastor Nye, Pastor Moore, and I know that in one sense they're just doing their jobs. Um, but we are really grateful for the kind of extra load that our pastors have had to carry, and I want to commend some others this morning. Um, I'm going to save one in particular for next week. But this morning, three pastors and four directors who have done, I believe, really good work in serving us in maintaining kind of particular ministries during these challenging times. I'm going to name them. Can I just ask you to hold any expression of appreciation till I'm done? Um, so first of all, Pastor Hoffmeyer, where did you go? Um, there you are. Um, to Pastor Hoffmeyer and to Kim Rolquam, who's out in the lobby right now, for maintaining connection and care for our children's ministry a huge thank you uh, to Pastor Ryan Fultz and to Steve Miller for maintaining connection and care for our students, to Pastor Josh Matthews and to Jenny Andrus for maintaining connection and care for our gospel communities, and then also to Mary Worth for maintaining connection and care for our women's ministry. I am so grateful. I think I'm speaking for all of us. We are so grateful for all of the work behind the scenes that nobody sees and then reaching out and maintaining connection. We are so very grateful to God for you, and I think it'd be appropriate for us to at least communicate that to them. So thank you all so very much. It has been a delight for me to watch them work and to work alongside of them. I'm so grateful to God for the team that God's given us. All right, would you please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Proverbs this morning? Children, I understand that you have received a worksheet like this, a little picture of a dad and a son. Um, I hope you have one of those. I trust you will put that to good use during the course of the message. Let's pray, let's ask God for help, and then let's receive his word. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us. You have been so good to us, principally in your provision of 
a way to be in right relationship with you. Thank you for seeing us in our need and reaching out to us in Christ and rescuing us. Thank you for not letting us go. Lord, we want to live in the good of the relationship that Jesus has made for us with you. And even today, as we hear you, we want to stand in the goodness of your love for us. We want to receive your word as your love for us. And so, God, I pray, open, open our ears and our hearts and our minds so that we might receive the good that you have for us this morning from your word. So help me, God, to preach rightly. Help each one of us to listen rightly so that we might benefit from the good you have for us here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Proverbs chapter 1. I am eager, as I know you are, to return to as much of normal as we can, as soon as we can. And part of that for us as a church body is getting back to what we normally do with this time during our Sunday morning gatherings, which is focused, careful, extended teaching from and hearing from God's Word. So I want to start a new series this morning that will actually take us through the months of July and August. And I want you to know I'm taking a little bit of a risk in this series, actually in two different ways. Um, first, I've already preached through uh, the book of Proverbs. Um, back in the early years of our life as a church, back it was in 2003, um, what we did back then, we looked closely and systematically at the first nine chapters of this book, and then we took a more thematic approach to the rest of the Proverbs that occupy this collection of Proverbs that occupies chapters 10 through 31. And we looked at these various themes. We looked at the theme of friendship. We looked at the theme of our speech. We looked at the theme of money. We looked at the theme of self-control. And I believe that was very helpful to us as a church. I know it was very helpful to me relating to my speech and my use of money, and my parenting. But even, even while we were in that series back in 2003, and since then, every time that I read through this book of Proverbs, I find myself thinking there is so much here. All of these individual Proverbs, they're, they're so valuable, they're so profitable. And so here's what we're going to do. After a foundational message today... For the next 10 Sundays, we're just going to zero in on 10 individual Proverbs. One verse per Sunday, which will be very challenging. I mean, to preach a whole sermon on one verse, that's the first way this is a little risky. But the second way, far, far more significant way that this series is risky is that the Proverbs, you know this, Proverbs are very clearly and very self-consciously moral instruction. And I think we all know what can happen, what can very easily happen in our hearts when we're dealing with moral 
instruction. It can slide easily into moralism or behavioralism. I mean, so strong is the temptation in every one of our hearts to, to, to smuggle our good works into the equation of God's salvation that we can very easily take the moral instruction of God's Word and turn it into just external behavioralism or even worse, just flat-out legalism. And we can find ourselves saying or thinking, look at me. Look, look, look at how good I'm doing in obeying the moral instruction of God's Word. Aren't I righteous with my good behavior? And that can blur our clarity. That can erode our, our steadiness in the gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone. And we don't want to do that. So what we need to do is to maintain a very clear vision and conviction that God's moral instruction is a form of His ongoing grace to us. This too is His grace toward us. Listen, God's moral instruction is God being good to us. It's God loving us. It's God caring for us. One of the earliest lessons that I'm eager for Christians to learn is the goodness of God's ways. And on the other hand, how it goes hard for those who disregard God's ways. I mean, we need to see this, this, the gift that we have been given of a clear moral instruction from God. It's a gift. We're not left without direction. We're not left without guidance. What a gift God has given in the clear moral instruction of His Word. God's ways are good, and He has given us clear moral instruction for our good to guide us into healthy and happy and holy and useful and fruitful lives. So I want us to benefit from the moral instruction of this book while all the time maintaining our very solid footing in the gospel of God's grace. So, this series, I've entitled it Words to Live By, and I am very purposefully linking this to the series that we've just recently finished in the gospel of John, Words of Life from Jesus. I mean, Jesus spoke these profound words of life that give us life. Remember what John said at the end of his gospel? I could have written so much more, but these things I wrote in order that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and believing you might have life in his name. These are words of life, but God has also, having given us life in Christ, God has also given us words now to live that life by. Words to live by. That's the series that we're beginning this morning. So I'm going to lay a foundation for this series today, and then over the next 10 weeks, we're going to look at one proverb each Sunday. I've chosen ones that have very clear moral teaching, very clear moral force to them. And by the way, can I just encourage you, through these next two months, it might be a good thing to, if you haven't already kind of adopted something for your devotions for July and August, to read through the book of Proverbs. It's a perfect book to read in a month. It's got 31 chapters, and so you could read through the book of Proverbs twice during this series, once in the month of July, once in the month of August, and I think, I think that would serve us. I have often turned 
to the Proverbs in my own life as I consider how to live my life. Asking, how does God want me to live with reference to, just fill in the blank, whatever it might be. Time and again, Proverbs has supplied remarkably clear and helpful instruction on how I should live my life. And that has fueled my desire, given my calling, given my love for you, that has fueled my desire to preach in this way from this book. So, ready? Let's get started by laying a foundation this morning. Look with me at the opening chapter of Proverbs. I'm actually going to read a little section here from chapter 1, and then I'm going to read a little longer section from chapter 2, and then a brief section from chapter 3, and then we'll come back and we'll zero in on chapter 1. But I want you to hear something. In fact, I want you to feel something as I read these sections. You follow along. Listen very carefully, starting at chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now look over to chapter 2 and start at verse 6 and read to the end of that chapter. For the Lord gives wisdom... From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of, right, of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Now, just the first eight verses of chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God 
and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I don't know what effect that had on you. But when I read that, that's really compelling to me. I hear all of that and it sounds really like powerfully compelling to me that I can have wisdom, insight, understanding, that, that I can have protection from harm and evil and my own stupidity, that I can have guidance into safety and stability and goodness and peace, that I can experience the favor of both God and people. I mean, look at that last verse that I read, chapter 3, verse 8. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I hear that. I hear all of that. And I say, where do I sign up? Because I'm really interested in that. God, you've got these things for me, and this book is the means by which I can lay hold of those things. I am so in. And I hope there's at least a little bit of that in your heart too. So let's go back now and look more closely at chapter 1. Let me read those opening verses once again. Verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, let's take four simple steps this morning. First of all, notice the purpose. Actually, let's not fail to notice verse 1. There are some connections I want to, I want to make sure that we're making there. Verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Do you see that little phrase in the middle of verse 1, son of David? You know who else was called the son of David, right? Jesus. And you see that name Solomon there in verse 1? You know what the word Solomon means? It means peace, shalom. And you know who is the real prince of peace, right? And you see that title king there? And we know who the real and ultimate king is. All that is said there in verse 1 is pointing forward. It's prefiguring one who is, to put it in Jesus' own words, one who is even greater than Solomon. Standing right here at the beginning of this book are these words pointing forward, anticipating a coming one. Though Christ had not yet come when this book was written, he stands as it were, at the very head of this book, presenting it to us with gracious hands. So now let's take that first step and let's notice first the purpose. We see this in verses 2 through 4. This is where we see 
what God intends to accomplish through this book. And we see it, especially in that repeated word, to. At the beginning of verse 2, at the beginning of verse 3, at the beginning of verse 4, it speaks of purpose. Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. That's the purpose. Verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing. What's being talked about there is this ability to see into the nature of a situation and to have insight. I just, Jason Rossell just came to my mind. He sits in judgment. He needs wisdom. He needs insight. And, and what is true for Jason as a judge is true for every one of us. We need insight. We need instruction to kind of see into the nature of a situation to see into what righteousness looks like. And look at verse 4, to, get, to give prudence. I mean, this is what Proverbs is for. Proverbs are aimed at equipping us with what we need to live rightly, wisdom, instruction, good judgment. And so Solomon says in verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. Here is this, this very practical, very useful, real-life guidance in how to live. That's what God wants us to have. That's what he intends this, this book to do. I've heard the book of Proverbs described as godliness in street clothes. It relates so directly to our everyday lives and how we can live godly lives in our everyday lives. So when, over the next weeks, we look at specific proverbs like false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Or <clears throat> a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. Or the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Or a man without self-control is like a city broken into, left without walls. Or as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of a man reflects the man. All of those and all the rest are here so that we can have wisdom and instruction in right living and good judgment. That's the purpose of Proverbs. Step number two. It's an invitation. Look at verses five and six. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb, a saying, or the words of the wise and their riddles. What's the invitation? Well, in a word, it is to receive this. Take it. Don't reject it. God is standing here speaking through Solomon and he's inviting us to receive what he's offering. The, these proverbs, you see that word there in verse 6? That word proverb, it's a noun, but it's actually related to a verb that means to represent something. And so the, a proverb is a little representation of reality. It's a little representation of some aspect of our real daily lives. God is saying here, receive this, these proverbs, these sayings, these words of the wise that occasionally kind of seem like a riddle. Like, for example, when Solomon says, let me just give you one example. Flip over to, flip over to chapter 26 for a moment. 
You might be aware of this already. Chapter 26. I'm going to preach on this one in about six or seven weeks. Proverbs 26, verse 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Very next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And you read that and you think, what do I do? What do I do here, God? Because I want to be wise, and you're telling me do this and don't do this at the very same time. And so sometimes they're kind of like a riddle, and we need to take it and think about it and figure it out. And when we do, there's wisdom for us. We need to take these. We need to hear them. We need to learn. Listen, if we go into this series... If we go into this book of Proverbs with proud hearts, just kind of saying, ah, that doesn't apply to me. I don't need that. We hear certain Proverbs and we say, well, that, that's not me. Listen, this stuff is just going to bounce right off us. Every Sunday you'll come and you'll listen to God's Word and God's Word will just bounce right off you. If you're ready with an explanation as to why this particular proverb doesn't pertain to me, you'll simply be depriving yourself of the very thing that God intends to use to give you wisdom. Into yourself and into your world. You'll be depriving yourself. And there's a word for that. We'll see it at the end of this passage. But before we go there, let's take step number three. The foundation. We've seen the purpose, verses 2, 3, and 4, and we've seen the, or we've heard the invitation, verses 5 and 6. Now let's look at the foundation, verse 7. Look at just the first part of verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You hear that? The fear of the Lord is the starting place. It's the beginning of this wisdom, knowledge, instruction. You know, you can find that phrase repeated many times, not just in the book of Proverbs, but in all of the wisdom books. It's in Job. You'll find it there. It's in the book of Psalms. You'll find it there. It's in the book of Ecclesiastes. You'll find it there. And every place it shows up, it's like foundational. And please know that it's not just talking about some method of thinking or some method of reasoning that is the beginning of wisdom. No, it's talking about the beginning of wisdom being a right relationship with God. That's the foundation. You see, that receiving that we saw in verses 5 and 6, that reflects a humility, and that humility shows up in what Solomon speaks of here as the fear of the Lord. Now, that word fear, it's not, let's get this straight, it's not this kind of cringing, being afraid, like, oh no, here comes God, I'm in for it now. No. This is acknowledging, happily acknowledging God as God, honoring God for who he is, recognizing he is God and I am not. He knows best. His ways are best. You see, rather than, rather than thinking, I got this. I can figure this out. I can handle this. Rather than rejecting God's instruction, which is what a fool does. I mean, fools insist on directing their own lives, trusting in their own judgment. Fools make personal freedom and autonomy the most important thing. But the one who fears the Lord says just the opposite. 
The one who fears the Lord says, show me how to live, God. I'm here to learn. You get it. I don't. Your God, teach me. I place my confidence completely in you. That's what fearing God looks like. And, and, and that posture, that recognition, that submission is the foundation, the starting point of wisdom and understanding and insight. Listen, you're not going to get marriage if you don't fear the Lord. You're not going to get money and how it's supposed to be used and earned if you don't fear the Lord. You're not going to get how to use your words if you don't fear the Lord. But when you do, you're going to get insight and wisdom and right thinking. The bottom line is you cannot be wise if you don't fear God. And Proverbs is going to be a royal waste of time. This series is going to be a royal waste of time for you if you're not standing on the foundation of chapter 1, verse 7a. All right, one last step. And, and it's just a footnote. I'm not trying to minimize this step by calling it a footnote. Footnotes are really important. Look at the second half of verse 7. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now let your eyes go back up to verse 2 for a moment. Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. That's part of the purpose of Proverbs, right? The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. And Solomon ends his little introduction to the book with this very stark, very purposeful kind of picking up of that phrase, wisdom and instruction from verse 2. And he says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Friends, that is not just a quick sidebar comment. That is there because of the very real possibility that we might resist God's word that we might reject, turn away from, despise. That word despise means to willfully dismiss as of having no value for me. And the word that God's word uses over and over again in this book to describe the person who does that is fool. Fool. You're a fool if you turn away from this moral wisdom and instruction of God. Friends, let's not be fools. Let us open our ears and our hearts to the goodness, the goodness of God's grace in his moral instruction in these coming weeks. Let us receive and not resist when we begin to feel God's word touching something in our own lives. In fact, can I encourage you let us see Jesus here, in whom all the treasures of wisdom are found. Let's see him standing here over and behind this book, holding it out to us and saying, listen, I gave you life, and now that I've given you life, here are words for you to live by. Receive them. God's glory. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for this book, this whole of your word to us, but now we thank you for this book of Proverbs, and we pray, God, would you suit it to us week by week. Come, all of your gracious heart towards us, your love towards us, teach us. We want to learn. God, I recognize we're not going to be able to hit every proverb, um, but we're going to we're going to try to be strategic and helpful. And so, God, I pray for your guidance and your wisdom for me and for the guys that will be preaching. And I pray your wisdom on this church that you will help us to not be foolish. And when we feel your word addressing us, touching something inside of our hearts, oh God, grant humility. Grant us to fear you rightly, that we might grow in our understanding, grow in our wisdom, grow in our righteousness. For your glory, and we thank you that it's for our good. In Jesus' name.